Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm laughing about something that you are never going to hear because I just deleted it, but it was a delightful bit of uh, a nice piece of business, as Jimmy Pardo would say. Some from tomfoolery. Our, some tomfoolery, some hijinks, I like to think. Um, now, who just spoke? We're I not going to. No, I'm not asking you. Oh. I'm asking the listener, and they can answer at home. Um, <laughs> For their family, you know, it's Jason Aiken. Make sure you answer aloud right now. Indeed. I will give you a moment. All right. So uh, before we get started, I did want to let everyone know that this episode is brought to you by Faith Life TV, which is a uh, new streaming service. What I like to I like to call it a streaming service for the discerning Christian. Yes, that's right. I am taking my more than one lesson slogan and applying it to Faith Life TV, because while they do sponsor the show, I like to think of them as under my banner because I've been around longer and I am the one that was just nominated for yet another podcast. I'm sure they appreciate that. I'm sure they do. How could they not? I'm sure they've been looking for a slogan. It's you know what? Is that true? I think they might actually have one. I should look that up. Anyway, the point is, uh, it's a new streaming service, uh, and it is at the moment in beta, but it will be launching officially. I don't know if it's at the beginning of September or just sometime in September, but be on the lookout for that. Uh, They're revamping the website. But it is still available right now, and it actually you can uh, get it on your Apple TV. Uh, that's how I watch it. And there are a number of documentaries, narrative films. There are little short films. There are uh, interviews and talks with various people. There's a lot of stuff. Quick testimonial Faith- from oh, the okay. guest. Yes. I've watched a movie on there. Okay. Um, and I did appreciate that the movie also had a, or a, a separate video you can watch was like a 25 minute making of. Yes, that is uh, in talking with uh, Ruben uh, over at Faith Life. That is a thing that they want to try and do is have sort of these little supplemental things. Sometimes it's about the making of. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's sort of a director's statement. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's an, it's an interview with with one of the people involved. So I also watched an excellent like 30 minute interview with Martin Scorsese on there about the movie Silence. Yeah, like and that is something. So and that's an example. Thank you for bringing that up. That's an example of why I am excited to be uh, sponsored by faith life is because there are certain other streaming services. I'm looking at you Hulu plus, uh, that would never, <laughs> that's not true at all. Obviously I'm talking about pure flicks. The point is, uh, <laughs> there are certain, uh, streaming services that would probably not have an interview with Martin Scorsese about silence because silence is complex and it approaches faith in a very complex way that is mm-hmm. that it cannot be easily summed up. And so rather than try to decipher it, there are plenty of uh, people that would choose to ignore it completely. And one thing that I like, because silence is not an easy film to deal with as a Christian. Uh, I know plenty of people that I agree with, hosts of, uh, co-hosts of the show, in <laughs> fact, who have a different take on it than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for Faith Life to have an interview with the director of that film about it uh, shows that they are committed to engaging in conversations that might not be easy, uh, but will be hopefully, I'll use the word edifying. It's kind of a, yeah. a, a word that I used to hear a lot uh, when I was younger about whether or not a certain film or TV show was edifying. But um, but that is what they are committed to is 
continuing or sometimes even starting the conversation. So you can check them out, Faith Life TV, and you can get your first month for free. It's it's uh, four ninety nine every month after that. But for the first month, you can get it for free if you go to morethanonelesson.com and click on the ad, uh, and and then just. From there, fill everything out and you're good. So, all right. Now, what if I want to do that, but I don't want to fill anything out? I've got. Can I hire someone to fill it out for me? You could do that through yes. more than one lesson. Sure, absolutely. All right. So that's uh, contact Tyler at uh, insert uh, uh, email here. Uh, Email uh, me through Battleship Pretension because I don't want my more than one lesson co-host to find out what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, You're not going to share those profits. Exactly. You know, everyone, look, everyone's going to, it's going to be a cool $600 and that gets you, you know, we'll save the template to your computer. Sure. That way you never have to fill anything out again. And if you do find another website where you also have to fill out information, a quick $300 supplement gets us Absolutely. to come back and, and fill out the information for that website. It could get to the point where literally, <laughs> if you need to fill something out, let's say your first name begins with H. Sure. Let's say your name is Henry. Okay. Or Harry. Or Hank. Or Hank. Yeah. A lot of H names to choose from. Could be any of them. Harold is How another one. That? Do we say that? There are only so many H names. Howard. Howard. Horatio. No. Um, Hugh. Huey. Let's say Huey Lewis of Huey Lewis in the News right. decides he wants to engage in this service. I understand. <laughs> this is so stupid. Once, See, once he signs up for it, it's like, okay, I'm going to put Tyler's services to the test. Time for me to fill something out. He types in H under yeah. first name. Everything pops up. Boom. Literally everything. Phone number, email, Lewis at gmail.com, I right. would assume. Um, maybe it's Huey.Lewis. Yeah. Or maybe just the news. Yes. That's for the, yeah. the entire rest of the band shares that one. <laughs> um, so don't send anything super personal. Now, here's the trick, though. Okay. In order to sign up for this service, you have to fill out about eight pages of information for us. Yes. In order to sign up for this service. Yes. But that's a one-time information dump right there's a lot of red tape when i'm trying to keep things secret from my co-hosts uh they take you know each of them gets a a 15 percent cut of anything i make on this show yeah um or or one dvd from the wall if you're that's right yes you can pick any dvd right not blu-ray non-criterion non-scream factory or shout factory dvd uh, with the uh, limited special features. Sure. If you want disc three of season six of Seinfeld, well, you can have that disc. That's yours. That's Absolutely. Yours Actually, no, no TV shows. I That's, understand. That's you know, a great caveat. You shouldn't yeah. give them TV. So like if you want Listeners sleepless in Seattle the podcast uh, in droves. That's true. Yes. I, I wish I could tell you it'll get better. I can't guarantee that, though. Oh, I wonder how insufferable people are finding us right now. I like to think that after 
nine years of doing, sorry, eight years of doing this show, 10 years of Battleship Pretension, people kind of get it. They uh-huh. know what to expect. Yeah. And look, when it comes right down to it, if you don't think this is good, let me remind you, I have been nominated for a podcast <laughs> award. How many? Nine. Right. I've been not, this is my ninth podcast award for this show. And then there was one for BP right. in 2011, oddly. Um, it was a good year, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's 10 full podcast Maybe awards. Maybe for podcasts. Maybe you should, tr- uh, that is probably true. Yes. Um, you remember when film spotting slash film took that year off anyway. Uh, but yeah, maybe I know what I'm doing more than you yeah. do as a listener. Just putting that out there. So that's why we want you to fill out their information. Exactly. You know, Just eventually reason. give me all of your information. Yeah. Trust me with it. And you know what? Even if I wind up spending some of your money, cause a I do, I will have your credit card. It's worth it. I probably will have spent it better than you could have. You can't buy peace of mind. You cannot buy peace of mind. Well, I guess you can for $600 <laughs> with an additional and, and $300 <laughs> addendum as well. Um, Okay, this is all very stupid. Um, have you finished the, pl- the pl- promo? I think I have, yes. I think I have. Sorry, guys at Faith Life. I, th- I think you came out looking okay here. Oh, I think so. All right. So, all right. We don't really have any, uh, any news or anything. Um, I'll I take guess- the blame for the whole... Uh- opening of this podcast by the way you can just throw that on i don't think i've actually introduced you yet well you said my name i did say your name but i whispered it maybe not everyone heard it so um i don't think that's how microphones work (laughs) by the way so uh yeah it's uh it's our old friend jason eakin i don't remember the last time you've been on more than one lesson it's been quite a while it feels like i feel like it was it zero dark 30 was it 2013 is that the last time you were on this show i literally couldn't tell you and i wouldn't if i knew Hmm. But I'll, um, that that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Okay, I don't so it's even been a long time. What the companion film was. Neither do I actually. Okay. Uh, it might have been the pledge. Oh, I think that's I right. I think it was the pledge. Boy, your recall for that type of stuff is is really amazing. Well, I don't mind telling you. You pulled the movie, the companion film, and the year I was on. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's impressive. Well, I'm just look. Around six podcast award nominations in, I, I realized, like, you know, I better uh, step it up. You know, I need to justify these these nominations you know what? and I think no wins. I'm going to hit on subscribe right now. Okay, that's fine. I thought you were going to say I'm going to hit the road. And you know what? I don't even really need you for this. Actually, that's not true. If there's any episode I absolutely do need a co-host for, it is this one. Because here's what we're talking about. We are talking about Game of Thrones. Kind of. That is very much what we are talking about, but we are also talking about responses to Game of Thrones. We're talking about both. Now, I have only seen the first episode of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, here's why I do not continue to watch it. There's a few reasons. One is that, uh, I guess maybe the <clears throat> primary one, if I'm being honest, is that mm-hmm. my wife, Jen, is not super comfortable with my watching it. Listeners know I have a history of uh, porn use. And if we can minimize the amount of graphic nudity and sexuality that I understand is contained more in the first two seasons than the, uh, than what, uh, what are we on five now? Season six. five? We're on season six. Yeah. Okay. Wait, we might be in seven. I think we're in, yeah, we're in seven. Seven. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't think I would have, uh, wow. Yeah. I thought we were, 
I thought I was overshooting when I said five. I thought we might have been on season four or something. It's fascinating when that happens. That because I just saw. If you're not keeping up with the TV show, it's, it's yeah, like, that's true. It, could be on for 20 years. You never, you don't know. Yes, that's true. Almost invariably when I'm surprised that a show has been on for so long, it's a show I do not watch. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, we, so yeah. Um, so Jen was not super comfortable with my watching it. And here's what I'll say. And this is in case anyone thinks that Jen is, is being, uh, controlling or something like that. Um, were this a movie, she would understand that I have to see it. I love that distinction, and it's very, very important. I was talking about the distinction between those. I hope we can get into it a little bit more sure. later. I was yeah. talking about that with my wife today. Yeah, it's, you know, because Jen understands that there are things that I am working towards in my life, and I am currently doing now, and if there is a movie that is being, that's being talked about, it's considered really wonderful, and it has nudity and, and, and sexuality in it, she understands that... If I feel like I need to see it, then she is behind me on that. I think we, the three of us, had that conversation about Wolf of Wall Street. Actually, I think so because the three of us did see it yeah. uh, together, mm-hmm. um, and we all enjoyed it. But she also, I think, ahead of time, she had heard just how much uh, was in that film. Um, but then there's so, but I'm not going to put it all on her. There are certain I also make. Uh, you know, I also make decisions for myself and there have been movies that I don't see for these reasons. There was a movie a few years ago called blue is the warmest color, right? Which I had heard great things about. Mm-hmm. Um, but even the people that really liked it also said, cause I believe it was NC 17. Right. Um, people who really liked it, even they said that it seemed a little, it seemed to them a little bit exploitative that there are, you know, a number of lesbian sex scenes and that it seemed as though, and these are people inclined to give movies the benefit of the doubt, but even they said that it seemed like the director was lingering a little bit too long on certain shots and it seemed to be a bit exploitative. Mm-hmm. And part of me was like, okay, well, I am personally okay with skipping that one because when people that are defending the, the movie are even saying it's a little bit exploitative, I'm fine to sit that one out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I did see Wolf of Wall Street and loved it. And I, right. my favorite movie of, two, of 2010 was Black Swan, which had uh, a fair amount of sexuality in it, but, mm-hmm. uh, very little nudity, very film. little nudity though. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, because you'd heard, cause I had heard going in that like it was this sexually charged thing, which it is, mm-hmm. but it is interesting and it, it could play into our conversation actually that the two don't necessarily have to go together. They right. usually do, but they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't recall, I don't know if there was, this was a conscious decision or not, but, uh, the film, the handmaiden from last year, did you see that? I did not. That was one that I, it's one of my favorite films of last year. Yeah. And I, I saw it by myself, and I walked around for probably 30 minutes afterwards, just by myself, just thinking about, because there there is quite a bit of graphic sexual content. Right. And the context is very different than something like The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Um, and it really kind of got me, especially because it sort of ends... I would say, uh, if, if nudity can be triumphant, I would say it, it ends with triumphant nudity hmm. and, and a lesbian scene. And I'm like, boy, oh boy. And there's a number of other graphic scenes, some lesbian, some not, in the movie. And I'm like, man, it is 
part of it is the question of exploitation. Yeah. Um, but part of it is like, you know, it just seemed a little bit extreme. And I thought, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking about whether or not I could revisit this movie. Sure. Yeah. Uh, that's one that I did and not I loved see. It. But I you loved, loved the film. Yes. Um, I, it was one that I had wanted to see and was planning on seeing, but I just did not get around to it. And as tends to happen, well, that was last year. Yeah. You know, and it's, so now I'm thinking about this year. Yeah. Uh, and I feel terrible saying that. It's, it's, a, it's more the likely. of the moment type thing. Yeah. Little, oh, that's, yeah, that's bit. great. I'm more likely to see a hand, the handmaiden in a few years. Oh yeah. Than I am now. Absolutely. Isn't that weird? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, and that's a good example. Yeah. The handmaiden, uh, I had heard all about that and yeah. from you as well, but that's one that I felt like I had heard that it was extreme, but I had not heard a lot of people say that it felt exploitative to them because it was mm-hmm. just so visually beautiful and it, and it is. Yeah. And that was, that was one that I, I would say I prioritized, but clearly I did not. Um, But it is interesting. You know, I do think I saw a few articles similar to the ones we're going to mention in a little, a little bit. I saw some of those when Wolf of Wall Street came out. Yeah. You know, but that's a big profile movie from, you know, the greatest living director. Yeah. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio. Exactly. It's going to be an Oscar movie for a lot of Oscars, you know. Whereas Blue is the Warmest Color, The Handmaiden, frankly, these are foreign films. Yeah. And so not a lot of articles get written telling people not to go see foreign films because not a lot of people are going to see them in the first place. Yeah. But I'll use that to get us into what kind of started us off. So on Facebook, um, I'm a member of several groups, uh, that are very similar to more than one lesson, uh, Christians talking about movies and sharing stuff around, you know, sharing articles that they've read in, you know, Christianity today or gospel coalition or any, any kind of, uh, really anything. And, um, and there was one a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm part of me wonders if this episode is, uh, is as relevant as relevant as it could have been, but then I realized that this topic is always relevant uh, to the the people, the the crowds that we run with. Um, so I believe it was a Gospel Co- Coalition article, mm-hmm. um, in which it was it was wondering. I would say aloud, it was written um, why Christians would watch Game of Thrones mm-hmm. now. And I and I'm I'm almost always on board with Gospel Coalition. I, I like a lot of what they say. Not always, but that's you know you're not going to like everything. But um, and this one, the it was I'd say that the article is fairly respectful for yeah, the most part. It's written by Kevin DeYoung, who yeah. is I think a pastor. He's written a number of of Christian books. Yeah, I've, and I've I think read I've, a couple of them. Yeah, as have I. Yeah, um, he he tends to be, you know, I I'd say I I don't. I don't know that I agree with him a whole lot, um, but he is a very respectful writer. He's not. Yeah. 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 He's not. I Compared to some of the other stuff that yeah. we read, uh, he's not dismissive. I think he's really just trying to. If I'm being optimistic, I would say that he's trying to at least get people that do watch to have a deeper understanding of why, as opposed to simply engaging in something. Mm-hmm. just because everybody else is and it's the thing to talk about, it's the thing to watch. Um, yeah. 
So uh, that's if I'm being okay. optimistic. I think also he is trying to sway people away from it. Yeah, I, w- I would say, and I don't think he's really, I, I don't think that's, he's trying to hide that very much. His his goal in writing it is to yeah. say, if you're watching this, I think there are reasons uh, that you haven't considered that you need to consider, which should prompt you to stop watching this. Right. And Your behavior should change as a result of considering these things. Yeah. And, but it's, but as I was reading it, even when I disagreed, mm-hmm. um, I still got a good sense of him. Like it, it was an impassioned plea and I didn't get a whole lot of judgment. I got it. I, I don't know. It's, it, it's one of the reasons that I've, that I've liked reading some of his other stuff is that I just compared to some writers, I feel like he is at least trying to see things from other people's perspective. He is. I mean this in the absolute best possible way. He's not a snarky writer. Yeah. He's not writing things. He's not trying to write a takedown of right. Game of Thrones or its audience. He yeah. genuinely feels something based on his convictions, and he's trying to share that. Yeah. Very similarly to how, I mean, he's a pastor. That yeah. It's perfectly in keeping. Um so, uh, and then in the comments, there was a, in the comments, uh, on gospel coalition of that article, there was a lot of back and forth. It wasn't people that hundred percent agreed or people that hundred percent disagreed. It was, you know, it, in, a, in the end and then on Facebook as well, like the people yeah. that shared it, some of them shared it as in like, Hey, what do you guys think? And other people sa- shared it saying, this is absolutely what I think. Mm-hmm. And so there, it, it, it did what I think an article like that is meant to do, which is spark genuine, sincere, uh, understanding patient back and forth right and i'd say based on the comments i read not not all of it was patient or understanding oh really um and yeah and that was on facebook and the website okay and i think that's maybe i'm thinking more facebook where admittedly everybody in these groups all know each other so they're not going to be jerks oh you're okay maybe that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking of the gospel coalition's post of this article and that comment thread Might might look a little bit different. Yeah, and I had read of I had read a few of those and thought that they were fairly nuanced, but maybe I didn't read far down enough. Because um, that's the thing: if you read, let's say you read five comments in, all right, mm-hmm. that's probably about as far as you can go before things are yeah. going to turn ugly. Yeah, and that's disappointing. Yeah, because I think one of the reasons I was excited to come on and and be a part of this discussion is that hopefully the face-to-face discussion is the one that you're having. Yeah. You know, with, I mean, my wife is the one who introduced it to me. So we were discussing it, um, you know, talking to people at your church about it or just somebody, whether they disagree with you or, or agree with you or not, like a face-to-face discussion is going to be so much more beneficial. You're going to get so much more out of it than throwing your comments up and, and whatever. Yeah. It's, uh, Every once in a while, there is a a discussion thread on Facebook or elsewhere that it almost feels to me as though I do not have a choice. I know I do. Yeah. But it's just like a lot of people are saying things, but nobody's saying this one thing. So, you know Mm -hmm. what? I'll do it. I have I've I don't think I've ever been happy about it. Mm -hmm. I think I've always regretted it within minutes. Um, Yeah, I I think I'm pretty just disillusioned about the whole thing. Yeah. As a lot of people are. What has the bet, you know what, here's what the best things, here's what has happened is I put a comment out there. A lot of people jump on it, mm-hmm. but then 
the people that actually want to engage, send me a private message. Okay. And then it turns into essentially a fa- yeah. the, the online version of a face to face. Um, so, um, so, okay. So I wanted to have you on to talk about the general reaction to game of Thrones and then your thoughts about those reactions, your thoughts about the show itself, um, as a, as a Christian who watches the show. Um, and then, and lest anyone think this is not a, this is not a debate. I'm not going to debate that Jason should not be watching it and he's not going to be debating that I should. Isn't Uh, that interesting that that's what this episode could have been? Yeah, it could have been. You don't watch. I do. And we could have had this knockdown, drag out thing, except that's not who we are. Yeah, it's you know, and we we are we're old friends, and we've had uh, debates before. Um, I seem to recall this was many years ago. We oh. had a debate about uh, Akiva uh, writer Akiva Goldsman and uh, yeah. the screenplay for uh, a beautiful, a beautiful mind. mind. Yes. Um, but uh, I think history sides with you on that. One. I think it might. I just recently yeah. read an article about how Akiva Goldsman is like the worst thing to happen to Hollywood because it, and it listed his other credits. And I thought like, oh, I lost track of him. I guess. Yeah, he has uh, yeah. contributed some rough things. But but you know what is interesting? As I think back, I do feel as though, you know what? I think Beautiful Mind's probably better than I thought it was. at the Yeah, time. I think it's I, probably a very watchable movie as Ron Howard movies tend to be. Yeah. So exactly. I think it's probably, you know, I think it was probably in my top 10 at that point. Probably of all time or of the year. No, of the year. Okay, good. Goodness gracious. But that was probably what the third, fourth year I made a top 10. So I had a lot less of a well. Yeah. There. So it's probably, it's, it's probably not as good as I haven't watched it in forever. Yeah. Um, It's probably not as, as great as I, remember it being yeah um but i bet i would still like it i think i would like it much more than i did at the time and now i feel immediately defensive of akiva goldsman yeah it's because that's the thing even as i was reading that article i did have the thoughts like i didn't know he wrote some of these bad things but i also thought since when is a screenwriter responsible for hollywood going downhill are you kidding me Screenwriters yeah. don't have any power at all. These could be, I mean, he's had the good fortune to sell a great number of screenplays. Yeah. Who knows how many scripts he hasn't been able to sell that he right. may be better, maybe worse. We yeah. don't know. These are the ones that someone has chosen to invest millions upon millions of dollars. In. Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah. Um, so this, this the, is yeah. way off topic. This very reason is why. I'm a proponent of the auteur theory because a director and a studio can dismantle a screenwriter's work so fast. Can and and often do. Yeah. Except for Clint Eastwood, I guess. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Aside from him. He's like, just give me the outline. I'm just going to shoot that. (laughs) Yeah. We'll do two takes and we'll be done by five. Like he could be shooting all day. Like, oh, Clint, I'm sorry. This was a menu. (laughs) We accidentally gave you a menu. He's like, well, it really spoke to me, and I didn't want to deviate from it. So, uh, looks like now Matt Damon's tra- going to be talking about filet mignon for a while. I was going to go way different. I was going to say, "Now let's see if we can get this potato salad to a moat." <laughs> oh, so he literally just puts the items on screen and exactly. doesn't even have anyone talk about them. Well, they communicate themselves. That's true. They do speak for themselves. Yeah. At least a good meal does. The theme is delicious. And go with it. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, uh, so I did want to, 
I did want to talk to you about like your personal responses artistically and and thematically uh, and spiritually, of course. Um, but what's interesting is that uh, so I was mostly aware of that Gospel Coalition article, which probably speaks to the type of people that I hang out with on Facebook. Yeah. Little did I know that there were so many others. Now, oh there have goodness. been pl- there have been plenty yeah. of, you know, in the, I guess, seven years uh, that it's been going. Uh, there have been plenty of articles written by by Christians, but uh, all of these seem to be pretty, pretty recent. The ones that you sent me. Yeah. Or at I least just, in the last year or two. I decided to kind of look around and see what else was out there. I think I was I was prompted by relevant recently posted another article right. that I thought was a little bit more considerate even than the Gospel Coalition one. And then that got me kind of reading a few others that were varying degrees of infuriating. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, is one of them written by, I'll just go, eh, why not, why not call people yeah, out? You know, he, he certainly has no problem with it. Uh, yeah. There's a, a writer named Matt Walsh who is a political writer and his opinions are often opinions that I agree with. Um, and there are times when I appreciate his blunt tone because it's there's this element of him that it's just like i'm i'm too tired to talk around something i'd Uh rather just say what i think it's a tone that i appreciate from time to time but as tends to so he's primarily a political commentator oh i love where this is going as tends to yeah as tends to happen um when you're a political commentator you you view yourself as a cultural commentator and admittedly the two do do go hand in hand yeah but then what happens is then you get people talking about art uh-huh. and film and TV and music and things that are a very subjective and b outside of their zone of expertise. Now, of course, everybody deserves an opinion. Everyone is allowed an opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, if you'll pardon me, if I might. Uh, go off just a bit. Uh, these same conservatives are often the ones who say that we shouldn't care what actors say about politics. Okay, let's let's flip that around and say you as a political commentator, I shouldn't care what you have to say about film at all. all right. So let's do that. If you know, I think everyone should get an opinion. That doesn't mean I agree with everyone's opinion. Right. And so. Um, so yeah, Matt Walsh wrote, uh, an article about game of Thrones that I found, uh, I don't think I found it as infuriating as you did, but I did find it reductive and dismissive and unsurprisingly given his general tone, very unnuanced. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I get that you know, he's only seen one episode or maybe part of one episode. He saw the first episode, same as me. Right. Okay. And so he's basing what the show is based on its pilot episode. That alone is a poor intellectual decision Yeah. because shows change vastly from their pilot, but especially a show like this that has grown and evolved in such a dramatic fashion. Yeah. You know, his information is just patently false. Yeah. You know, saying that they're, you know, watching any, you know, oh, who are they going to murder? Who are they going to rape? Who's going to sleep with who this time? It's like, yeah, that's not quite how it works. And it does speak to the cultural osmosis that he just became generally aware of things. Yeah. You know, same as I I know what the Red Wedding is. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen that episode. And even if I only saw that episode, I wouldn't know who all those people are. And yet I still just 
being even vaguely plugged into the larger culture, I knew that the Red Wedding was this groundbreaking, (laughs) not groundbreaking, but just this earth shaking uh, uh, episode and and larger plot development. Um, But yeah, it's it is a very common attitude amongst, I would say, conservatives, but also among amongst Christians that, you know, I, I, I used to say this. Well, okay, so here's what I'm about to say. When people say uh, that, oh, um, people swear because they don't have a good vocabulary mm-hmm. uh, in movies or in, for their own, you know, everyday discussion. Um, and I used to say that when I did not let myself swear. And now I think I do. I will say that I think I swear too much now. But, um, but to simply say, cause, and I've heard people say like, you know, when someone swears, it makes me it swears. It just makes me uh, question their, their, their intelligence. Really? David Mamet, yeah. not, not a smart guy. Are you kidding me? Like it's, it's that kind of thing. It makes, it makes it so easy yeah. to dismiss, you know, uh, people make these decisions artistically because something else, because they're unable to do something. Right. Not because they could do that, but they've chosen to do this. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I hear a lot in general, but in, in Walsh's article with game of Thrones, it definitely seems to be the case as if to say, okay, look, uh, we all know that we need breasts and we're going to need a rape scene and a terrible death scene. Yeah. Just, and I think he talked about like spinning the wheel about like, yeah. okay, what kind of controversial thing are we going to have? Uh, okay. I guess it landed on rape again so we'll just do that and so it's easier for him it's easier to dismiss if that is how you think decisions are being made artistically or that it's if not that exactly because we no one really thinks he thinks that of course yeah uh that it's something equally callous yes you know and 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 that said there was a there was a pretty funny uh snl skit with andy samberg uh, and based on the first season, uh, it's an appropriate critique where Andy Samberg played like this 13 year old. <laughs> yeah. And he talked like this. And so he said his job was to say, like, that scene, could it have boobs? Yeah. Like, and, he, you know, the idea that, wow, this is some of this is a little sophomoric and yeah. juvenile. Like, why is there. In this dialogue scene, why are there two naked women yeah. just sitting on the actors' laps? The women don't talk; yeah. they're just there to be naked. Uh, and I think some of that criticism is is valid. I think it is valid, um, but uh, so and at the same time, I would say so. Uh, years ago, when Seth MacFarlane um, hosted the Oscars, mm-hmm. he which in, I enjoyed, I enjoyed as well. But there is like a moment, there's like a fantasy sequence where he imagines if he had done this thing. Uh And one was like, where he sang a song called We Saw Your Boobs. Oh, yes. And he's like singing it to various uh, women in the audience. And the whole point, and then they just look at him stone-faced. And people just thought like, that's such a dumb, reductive song. It's like, the point of that song, when he brings up the movies in which he saw their boobs, I'm sorry to speak in, in such terms on uh, yeah. on this show, but it's the nature of this this topic. He brings up movies that are like hard hitting dramas. Yeah. And it speaks to, I think, a certain juvenile 
attitude that we certain that certainly I had when I was a juvenile, uh-huh. which is I will take it wherever I can get it. Right. I will watch this very dark, sad movie if it has nudity in it, because I'm old enough that I didn't have the Internet right. my whole life. Um, so I had to find it where I could get it. And so to reduce this this very difficult decision uh-huh. of the actors, uh, the actress and the director uh, to bear themselves in this way to, Hey, I saw that. Right. You know, th- to me, he's satirizing that attitude. Absolutely. You know, um, and you're so, telling me that satire was missed on its intended audience. Who would have thought? I can't, uh, I won't believe it. I can't. I won't. Um, I could. I just won't. You know what? That probably is true I in a number that's of the, ways. Yeah, that's, that's more and so, but the di- so the difference between like the Andy Samberg thing. Yeah. Those are all people who'd probably seen all the episodes. So they knew what they were talking about. That's true. That's very different. And like, there's a reason that that's actually a more valid criticism than someone who's seen one episode and is just guessing. Sure. That's true. And thinks that they still... You don't have a. You really don't have enough information to be able to post the hot take that you think you're you're posting. You just that actually requires a little bit more investment than one episode yeah. to talk about something that's been on for seven years. It just doesn't work that way. And you know what? I think that's that your use of the phrase hot take I think is important because Kevin DeYoung's article was. I, maybe an impassioned plea, maybe a dissection, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Matt Walsh was a hot take. Yeah. Now, it is possible for the former to be the latter. Sure. But it's very seldom that the latter is the former. Like, yeah. it's, it's okay, here's an opportunity. This thing is really popular. I don't think it should be, so now I'm going to say why. Right. Uh, with very little personal experience with yeah. that thing. And nor do I think, you know, if somebody such as yourself has made the decision after one episode that, you know what, I'm not going to watch this show. You know, I'm not of the opinion, well, you can't have that opinion because you didn't watch all of it. Right. Right. Because if I had watched all of it, then I wouldn't be able to make the decision not to watch it in the first place. Right. So it's like you're perfectly free and, and, and okay to make that decision based on based on what you hear about the show. But you, you mentioned blue is the warmest color. You didn't see it based on what you'd heard. So someone could get very upset and say, well, you don't even know because you haven't you haven't gone and seen it. Yeah. And there's a difference between saying this movie is X, Y, Z and you shouldn't see it. Right. But I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. Yeah. And saying, you know what, based on what I've heard, I think I'm going to make the choice not to see it. And you yeah. could even say, you know, here are the things we've heard. You know, you might want to consider that before you choose to see it. Yeah. But there's got to be a choice there. Yeah. And my my default not to hold myself up, because some people might think this is not a good thing, is that um, with Blue is the Warmest Color and Game of Thrones, I, based on what I have heard from people I trust, I have chosen not to watch those. Yeah. If you have made the choice to watch them, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and assume that you also heard those things and you have weighted the, you know, the positives and the negatives and you have chosen differently than I have. Mm -hmm. And maybe you haven't, maybe someone decides like, well, I just want to see it, Mm -hmm. but that's not my, it's not my place to assume that that is how somebody arrived there. So I'm right. going to assume that it was a considered decision. And so 
what room is there for me to to judge? I'm sure that there some people would say that uh, that there needs to be a bit more judgment, uh, good judgment uh, in the world when it comes to this kind of thing. But I feel like my default when it comes to this yeah. type of art is I probably will defend it without having seen it. That's probably my instinct more than to yeah. trash it having not seen it. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, keep in mind, I wish you had seen it because we see each other almost every week. Yeah. I would love to have been able to discuss this with you for the last seven years. Like that would have been great. But yeah. at the same time, you know, the, the idea of, I mean, we both have shows we love and we wish everybody would watch, but yeah. we are in an age where there are so many really, really good shows and some yeah. great shows, but there's a lot of really, really good shows and nobody has the time to get to all of them. And so the idea that like, oh, well, if you haven't seen this one show, you don't deserve to have an opinion yeah. uh, about the current t TV landscape. Like we're just, there's too much TV. We're, we're far beyond that. Yes, you're missing out on something, yeah. but that's how it goes. And that's okay. I will say Game of Thrones does seem to be the only, as they would say, the only water cooler show. Hmm. that is okay. airing right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the, for those that may not know what I mean, the idea was back in the day, back before there was streaming or anything like that. I just said back in the day, sorry, it doesn't sound like me, but it's fine. Um, when people just watch shows on network or cable or whatever it is, and a show would air once a week. And the idea was you would watch <clears throat> that show. And the next day at work, People would be gathered around the water cooler and they'd be talking about that episode. Can you believe what happened? Yeah. And so there were water cooler shows, which was every episode or at least a few episodes per season were just so interesting uh, and so groundbreaking that people had to talk about it. And that's also a way you heard about shows. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I was talking to my friend at work and he mentioned this show. I guess yeah. I got to start watching. And so, and I think because a, because of streaming where people can watch an entire season. And so it's yeah. hard to know you people now talk in terms of whole seasons in, instead of individual episodes, but because HBO still does the once a week thing. And because of the nature of game of Thrones, there's a reason that we like, I can't point to any particular episode of Silicon Valley as much as I love it, uh -huh. but everyone knows about the red wedding. Sure. Even if they don't know what happened, everyone knows that that is a term mm -hmm. and it's because of the show and it's because it was this giant, I believe it was a season finale, correct? Uh, it's the penultimate episode. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it was this giant thing that permeated culture and there aren't really a lot of shows like that right now that yeah. I can think of. You know, it's, it's not a show I watch, but I think to some degree in certain circles, the walking dead is that way. It's got a lot. I'm just trying to think of shows that have just a ton of viewers like that. That is a popular show, but the one there's, there's in my experience uh -huh. and I watched several seasons of that, but I also, yeah, I watched, are, I watched three and I'm, yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. I stopped. Cause after a while there was a cyclical nature to the show, which I don't think is a flaw. I think that's the nature yeah. of that story, but I grew tired of it. Um, but there is one, there's really, as far as I know, only been one water cooler moment. And You're there right. is a yeah. character that is killed with a baseball bat. 
Uh, it was a season, it was a cliffhanger. Yeah. Who was gonna die? Yeah. yeah. And then once it was once it was paid off, it was a character that people loved. He was around from season one. Yeah. And but you know, really, what we're doing when we talk about that as a water cooler moment, we're just applauding the marketing. Yeah. And applauding the structure of yeah. delaying the answer. Yeah. As opposed to something where it's like we all saw something we you know and and now we're talking about yeah one of the big things that i had heard about the red wedding is that no one saw it coming except people that had read the book sure yeah you know that people are just like oh my gosh this is how could such a terrible thing happen yeah out of nowhere yeah you know um but there have been several you know i i know what happens to ned stark and Uh that was also a a very unexpected thing you know it's delightful what's um I got my wife to watch the show. Oh yeah, and uh, and there, I'd say in season one, three, four, five, there are some big like things that happen, some kind of water water cooler moments. Uh, she didn't know any of them, like because yeah. she really doesn't. You know, Which she's also not on speaks, Twitter very yeah, much. That speaks to the people we know and exactly. just the lives we live. But it was so much fun. Yeah. Having her not know. Oh, yeah. I was watching with our friend uh, Amsi. I was watching Psycho. Oh, yeah. And he did not know any of the twists. There are two mm-hmm. twists. One is the main character is uh, not around right. that long. And the other is what what's the actual deal with Norman? Yeah. Um, and he didn't know either one. Oh. And he was just like astonished by what was happening and so that was kind of great that's pretty great um so i wanted to talk a little bit about um you know the articles basically okay so the show has a lot of nudity right and a lot of pretty graphic violence yeah uh both of those things by the way when i watch with my wife uh i don't look away but she knows that she gets a little bit squeamish at those things yeah. and they definitely have an impact uh, to the point where like, she's like thinking about them in bed. Um, and so if she thinks something really violent's going to happen, she'll just kind of, she'll turn Yeah. or sometimes with the nudity, she'll just like turn away and she'll be like, I just don't want to see that. Um, you know? And so it's like, I thought, like, is that like a poor man's vid angel? Not to get us off on that topic, but... It you know, is. It's the same instinct, yeah. Yeah. Like, or it's like, oh, that's a little too much. I'm just going to pull away for a second. Yeah. Like, and not have to see that. Um, but yeah, so that was, that, was, that was great. But so that's the idea, is that this show has a lot of, I guess, extreme content. Yeah. Um. And because of that extreme content, regardless of context, uh, this show should not be watched. That's that's right. the very the very basic. And I don't think I don't think I'm being reductive yeah. in saying that's the premise of uh, like the Gospel Coalition article. Yeah, and and you mentioned the word context, and I would say that I'd say giving once again giving the writer the benefit of the doubt. I am assuming that they are taking context into account and ultimately, ultimately making the, the argument that there is no context that would make this appropriate. Yes, that is you're you're right. And so because and that's the thing is that is that tends to be the difference between the way you and I think mm-hmm. and the way people for whom film and art is not 
the most important thing in their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, that I think that is the difference is you and I say like everything can be acceptable with a couple of exceptions. Like if it's, there's like actual sex going on or, or something like that. Um, but as long as something is, is maybe a little bit, as long as there's still like, I don't know how I'd say this artifice going on uh, as opposed to people. Okay. I'm watching people actually have sex now. Well, Well, that's different in the same way that like, boy, if someone says, Hey, here's a video of a real car crash you want to watch. I'm like, "Ah, no, I don't. I have no, I have no no desire to see that. That would make me very uncomfortable. Right. Um, Hey, here's a, a car crash in a movie. Yeah. Let's watch it. Yeah. Like, and you can start to appreciate its artistry and yeah. because and because you are watching it in the context of a story yeah. um, that it pro- that has themes and messages it's trying mm-hmm. to get across. Then it's like, OK, well, now I'm very interested in this car crash. Yeah. So I wanted to walk down the road a little bit of because I we, we've we've kind of said this already, but I I don't have a problem with the instincts uh of Kevin DeYoung and the Gospel Coalition article. Right. You and I have been having this conversation with with Christians at varying times since we were, what, 15 years old? Yeah, it's been probably so about 20 years. Yeah, it's been about 20 years. And that could get really tiresome. <clears throat> and, I, and I think at times it does. And, you know, if it's the same person saying the same things over and over, that gets tiresome. Yeah. But... Because of the nature of, of our faith, the idea of reconsidering something is always on the table. Yes. We reconsider scripture all the time because it's very easy to forget and we need to remember. I think I, 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 in one of our uh, my pastor's sermons, he said, like, there is a reason that the Bible says remember over and over and right. over. It's because it's so easy. We so easily forget. We so easy, easily get distracted. So the idea of... Um, someone saying, yeah, I know you talked about this, you know, with somebody else some other time, but you're older now, you're a little bit older in your faith now. So has that changed your mind? Have you reconsidered anything? And now that I'm older, maybe I have reconsidered something. So, you know, they they might want to engage in that way. I think that is good. That is healthy. That is absolutely biblical. Yes. Um, Even if someone says like, I've already got my answer, like, well, this is kind of what God's put on my heart. I don't know if it's going to change your mind or not, Yeah, but that is, that is essential to the Christian faith and to the Christian walk. Yeah. So I have absolutely no problem. I am all for this type of, of article. Um, the only place that it bothers me is that it doesn't, it views. Um, I think there's a fundamental premise that, that we don't agree that, you and I don't agree with, which is that nudity equals pornography. Right. Um, and that's it. I, I certainly understand if that's your operating premise, then yeah, Game of Thrones is absolutely off the table. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they'll say, okay, non-sexual nudity can serve a purpose. The easy example is Schindler's List. Sure. You know, it's like, okay, it's, it's showing the conditions. Um, but even that acknowledgement is saying is answering the 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 one question i have which is that everybody talks about how well if you watch this it's gonna affect your mind right it's gonna affect you and i say 
Absolutely, it's going to affect me. Everything you watch, everything you consume, everything you read, every person you encounter is going to affect you in some way. And the goal is not, I want to watch things and listen to things and read things that have no effect on me. Right. That's never my goal. My goal is the exact opposite. So the question that I have is, is there ever a time that you believe the nudity, the effect of the nudity can be positive and can be beneficial? Are you asking me? Well, I, I know your answer, <laughs> yeah. but that's, that's my question. And if the moment you do it, I, I don't want to say it's a slippery slope, but the moment you acknowledge uh, non-sexual nudity can be beneficial because it can uh, show the conditions at a concentration camp. Right. What you're saying is that this content, uh, given its context, can provoke something artistic. Right. That's the statement you're making. You're you're somebody else may be getting more specific, but that's the general statement: is that this can be used for a genuinely artistic effect. If you can grant that, then you you then I think it's worth considering if the same can be said for nudity that that is incorporated into sexuality. And, you know, I think that I think we're actually uh, moving in a very interesting direction because this episode is going to be. So next week's episode has already been recorded. All right. And one of the things that we are talk we in about the future, then or are we in the past? We are in the present. Ooh. But yesterday That's I was in the future. Exactly. Um, I hate you so much. And yet somehow <laughs> here we are. Um, there was a lot of talk about or sorry, there will be a lot of talk about art and entertainment. Ah. So let's very briefly look at that Matt Walsh article. Okay. He uses the word entertainment a few times. Yeah. Now, I'm sure he also says art, but I took specific note of it. And I feel like therein lay, I think, the big, not the big issue, but a big issue with a lot of objections uh, towards nudity or violence uh-huh. or anything like that is that entertainment and I have nothing, there's nothing wrong with entertainment. I think mm-hmm. it's a very, it's a very good thing, but, uh, I think the nature of it is that we are trying to please the audience, right? It is audience based. We might be trying to communicate something along the way, but we can't let that get in the way of the audience being pleased. Kind of like, hey, we're just here to put on a fun show. Exactly. It's dinner theater. Yeah. And that's about as reductive as I can be. <laughs> I guess and so. And you know what? I've been to some pretty fun dinner theater. Exactly. That There's, I actually thought, that's got some interesting ideas. Yeah. I like being entertained and uh, everybody does. Yeah. Um, but the problem is not everything is that. Mm-hmm. And so if you are watching a movie or a show as entertainment, but as it turns out, the people who created it think of it as art. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's very different because now... And the Venn diagram has a lot of crossover. Tons of it, yeah, absolutely. But it's also such a subjective thing that's... Right. Yeah. It's And so 
if it's all about, well, I as the audience member need to be pleased, that's because I'm seeking out entertainment, and then somebody incorporates something that you are not expecting and something that does not please you, uh, it can be very easy to have, if you'll pardon me, a knee-jerk reaction and say that, well, that's just bad because now for a moment I'm not being entertained. Mm -hmm. And Or I came here to be entertained, and instead of entertaining me, you've shown me this or tried to get me to consider something else. Yeah. And like, I don't like nudity in my entertainment. And Uh now because you've incorporated it, I am required to do some work, which is, is that, how is this possibly okay? Is Uh this person, you know, what are they trying to achieve with it? Well, what I'm used to is what people are trying to achieve is me being happy right. and I'm not happy. So now what it's kind of, I'm I, being a bit reductive in, yeah, in that, but I, I just thought of this, but I'm, I'm wondering if this is a step too far or if there is some sort of link here. When you go to a restaurant, mm-hmm. you're not going for them to deliver thematic statements to you, right? You're going to get exactly what you want, right? And you're paying for exactly what you want and you expect exactly what you want. You know, even the idea of like no substitutions, it's like, wait, who does this chef think he is? Oh, when you're me. It's like the chef has an idea about yeah. something. Yeah. And even that, it's it's like, well, wait a minute. That might mean that I can't get exactly what I want. Yeah. Um, I There's certainly a parallel between feeding ourselves um, feeding our nourishing ourselves and what we watch and read and consume, you know, we consume media and food. So there is a link there, but it's not the same thing. And yeah. if we approach it the same, we're, we're kind of doing a disservice, I think, to, to media. Well, there is something to be term. said and we can, this, this could take us in a, in another direction. So I'll just mention it and then we can move on. But, um, you know, you, you're talking about consuming and, we're spending money on our movies. We're spending right. money on TV in some capacity. And so we tend to approach it the way we approach anything that we spend money on. And when, and we spend money on things that we want. Mm-hmm. And if something is not what we want, we will find the thing that is what we want specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Oh, well I like this car, but I don't like this feature. So I will either wait for this car to have this feature or I will find another car. And that is the case with, I was talking with a friend of the show, Andrew Clavin about this uh, the other day. And I think this is actually, we're trying to figure out why so many of our fellow conservatives tend to be kind of hostile to art. And it's because our instinct is to approach it as free market capitalists. (laughs) And if we don't like something, we go somewhere else. Uh And it's like, yeah, but art, you know, a, a good pair of shoes as great as they might be, aren't trying to actually communicate something to you. Whereas art is, and they inter- might be trying to communicate something. They you, might be, but there's always the saying. chance yeah. there's, I want, I won't limit anything, right? But, um, the idea entertainment that aesthetics is communicating. Something, sure. Somehow. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, entertainment, it can communicate things. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But if we, but from a consumer standpoint, if we look at entertainment, it is only about whether we are feeling good the entire time. Yeah. I want to talk briefly about the idea of, of open-mindedness versus closed-mindedness, not in the traditional sense of like, I guess being closed off to things, but like, um, 
when I go into a museum, mm-hmm. I go in literally with a completely open mind. Yeah. I am there. It's like a big question mark. And I am there to find out what's on the other side of that question. Right. Which is that, how am I going to be moved? How am I going to respond to these things? That's how I approach most movies, too. Yeah. Is like, ooh, this looks good. But I, I wonder if now we are in such a mode of consumption that... It's like, and you think of how many people are excited by a trailer, dissect a trailer, and then hate the movie. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, that's not exactly what I wanted it to be. The trailer made it seem like this. Yeah. Almost like we, we, we approach it like we've been tricked. Um, but I don't think it is. I think it's just that we have such concrete idea. We, we're taking too much expectation into the movie or into yeah. the art saying like, well, it needs to be these things because these are the things that I want yeah. instead of, all right, I've got a little bit of a sense of this. I wonder what it's going to be. Yeah. And let me watch it or, or read or whatever and, f- and find out and then I'll react to it. Yeah. And you know, and while we can never create a complete vacuum, because of course we're still right. coming in with our own experiences yeah. and, and outlooks and that sort of thing, I do think that it is better to be, you know, to approach any kind of art with like, all right, what are you, what are you trying to do as opposed mm-hmm. to what do you have for me? Right. The two do coincide quite a bit, but they are different questions, um, and you know. For, I would say, a Christian watching Game of Thrones, when they decide that certain things are never for them, mm-hmm. nudity is never for me. This kind of graphic violence is never for me. Oh, rape is being depicted in my entertainment? Mm-hmm. Is it saying that rape is entertaining? How could it possibly say right. that? You know, Um And so it's very much about like, well, there are all these things that aren't for me. So this thing must not have any value. But if you change the question as to, okay, so what are you trying to do Mm -hmm. now? I have found in my own experience that if, if you ask, what are you trying to do? Then it's actually, it's more likely that you as a consumer will find things within that that are for you. Right. But you you have to listen to the other person first yeah which is what we're talking about again when you go to a restaurant they bring the food to you yeah when you go to a movie you're the movie's in front of you but you do need to take a few steps toward it to see what it's trying to do yeah and it's uh and the response you know to quickly as much of a defense as i can give some of these articles it really bothers me when i see uh responses christian or not saying like what's wrong with you why are you talking about this this like it's just entertainment yeah it's just entertainment it's just like i just like the show it's like if you are so inconsiderate about what you watch or indiscriminate is probably a a more accurate word about what you watch that everything is just well whatever i happen to be watching and enjoy it's all entertainment so it doesn't matter yeah I, i don't think that there's really any biblical basis for that yeah like I think about what I watch. I think of, and and there are shows that that bother me more than Game of Thrones that don't have any of the quote content, but yeah. there's just something about the the worldview depicted that's that I just know kind of puts either has an effect on me that I don't think is positive or I don't think uh, really represents anything 
uh, Christ-like, and and so I don't watch those. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a book that I haven't read, but I've read the foreword to it. It's a Ben Shapiro book, um, and I think he's you know I'm I'd say I agree with him maybe sixty five seventy percent of the time. Sure, I tend to like him, but he's got this book with an incendiary uh, title called Primetime Propaganda. Right. But the foreword is basically making the case that um, a lot of people that have that may have a different ideology than you uh, may be making the entertainment that you consume. And so you need to be considered because they may have very conscious or unconscious uh, worldviews that they are trying to advance yeah. uh, with that entertainment. And I think just a really simple, uh, like obvious one is casual sex. Yeah. Like in entertainment, that is not a big deal. Yeah. Like I'm thinking of, and I tend to like this show, but, uh, the show new girl, I haven't watched it in a couple of years, but sure. there was like, there was a couple episodes where one of the characters was like just sleeping with women night after night after night. And it got into like the twenties. Yeah. Like that's how many women this character was sleeping with because they were reacting bad to a breakup or something like that. And it was only when it was in like nearing 30, did anybody step in and say like, Hey, I think you might be sleeping with too many people. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, wow, this in real life, this would be a big deal that yeah. we need an intervention. Yeah. But because it's television, something like that's played for a laugh. Yeah. And I'm not trying to demonize that show at all, but the idea that like, if you watch that enough, all of, I know this this is true for me personally. I kind of got the idea in my early twenties that like you know what I deserve to have sex. Like sure. basically everybody in all the entertainment I'm seeing is is having sex. Why not me? Like yeah. I've, I've paid my dues. I, I I'm this old and I and I haven't slept with anybody. So I I kind of I've earned it. And and it's like. The show didn't tell me that directly, and yet, just because that was kind of what had been filling my world, I kind of took those extra steps and got to something that is completely unbiblical. Well, and yeah, and that's the thing is, uh, there are, I've seen movies where, and TV shows where, like, being a virgin, there is actually a stigma to it. Sure. And the idea of being a virgin into your 20s, oh my gosh, can you imagine? Um and I look at that and I just think like, oh yeah, that is very, you know, that's, you know, and then I realize that the vast majority of people that I know, like a good, maybe not the vast majority, but a good portion of the, of my friends were virgins until I got married. This mm -hmm. includes me, mm -hmm. um, or they still are because they're not married. And I realized like there is a huge, to the point where I had a friend who got married in his late thirties mm -hmm. and he had mentioned that he had not had sex and that he, this was going to be his first time. And in my mind, like culture had so, and just this assumption yeah. that, that not even just casual sex, but just like, well, surely you can't just be a virgin until you're 39. Uh -huh. Like, even if you, even if that is a value that you hold, surely that can't happen. Obviously yeah. not. Surely you would abandon that at the right. earliest opportunity. Right. Um, it's like, how about this? You hit 30 and you think like, I, as you mentioned, like I have earned this, I've got yeah. 30 years of not doing this. Maybe I'll get married someday. But in the, at the moment, yeah. this is what I Guys, want. Guys, I put in my time. Yeah, exactly. God, I've read this book of yours 
and yet I don't, uh, you know, you forgot the clause where once yeah. I turn 30, I do what I want. Maybe it's in a different translation. Yeah. Who's to say? But, um, and that's the thing is, so yeah, bef- before you and I completely put aside, which we won't, but put aside the idea of being considerate uh, about what you take in. I won't mm-hmm. say consume because we already associated that word with something else, but what you take in, like it does have an impact on me Yeah, in ways I didn't even realize as far as maybe not even as far as like specific things like nudity, but in larger values and assumptions yeah. that I had made, you know, there was a huge disparity between the world that I'm looking at in my, in my art and the world that I'm a part of with, you know, Christian friends and, and Mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, I was talking to a listener who is not a Christian the other day and, uh, he was talking about, and he's fairly young. He's in his early twenties. And he was saying that he came, he was coming to realize that, uh, that he said, there's nothing casual about sex, that Mm -hmm. it is an incredibly important thing. And so why would he ever, I think he had, I think he had had sex, but as he got older, he came to value it as this very deep spiritual, emotional and physical Mm -hmm. experience. Um, and that he did not want to be casual about it. Well, like the larger entertainment culture has even put it in my head that, well, this guy's not even a Christian. Why would I, I should not have this expect. I'm surprised that he is saying this thing. Meanwhile, tons of people, Christian and otherwise have come to this conclusion, but new girl is perfect. New girl. And like Seinfeld. Yeah. Think of how many people, Jerry, how many wonderful actresses (laughs) go on to do great work. Yes. Yes. Um, and they are, uh, can you, I mean, aside from, um, Dolores. Sure. I can't remember any of their names. No, of course not. Yeah. And I almost called Dolores Mulva. <laughs> but you can't say it like that. You gotta say Mulva. Mulva. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Now I just want to watch that episode again. But, um, but yeah, so I do think that, uh, I do think that it is always good Cause I think there's the other side of it. There's, there's our side, which, what, which I need to be careful about where I fairly, where I'm so open that I let anything in, uh-huh. in the spirit of being yeah. a film critic or whatever yeah. it is. And, and I'm not being discerning mm-hmm. about what I'm letting in, or at least I'm letting it in. Or as it's coming in, I approach it maybe as entertainment, and so I don't take seriously any kind of indirect messages it might be sending. Right. Um, like New Girl, as you mentioned. Yeah. And again, Which is a show I like and you like yeah. as well. Yeah. It's it's a pretty funny show, yeah. especially those early seasons. But the especially because uh, the idea that basically every episode of especially comedies Basically, they're back to square one at the at the beginning of the next episode. Yeah. So the idea of consequences, right, is is something that's really sort of fluid in yeah. in those in those worlds. Um, but if if you're consuming all of that, then it it can't help but start having an impact. Yeah, um, and that's and when you think about it, that's actually another element of context that we don't even really talk about that much is regardless of story, regardless of character, the, the delivery system, the medium itself, television 
even serialized television, there does tend to be, not always, uh, in fact, these days increasingly less, but there is kind of a reset and there's a reason yeah. that we don't remember the names of those characters because they're not the leads. Right. And they just come into Jerry's life. They have a purpose to serve comedically mm -hmm. and uh, as far as the plot. And then we and then we all move on. Uh, and so. So, con yeah, consequences, that's con consequences are for serialized TV and right. real life. Yeah. Um, and so that is another element of context to take into consideration is. Am I streaming this thing? Mm -hmm. Am I just there? Are, there are TV shows that I've had to that I that I can watch five or six episodes in a row, and it, and things are fine. Then there are ones I get. I watched two episodes in a row, and I was like, I need to take a break. Sorry, Hannibal, uh -huh. you are exhausting <laughs> me. Um, and I think, and that is its goal. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, yeah, I I don't want to meet the person who's been binge watching Hannibal. I'm just going to do all all three seasons just straight through. I just want to get it over with. I just want to, I yeah. just want to. Now, are wanna, you talking about the show or life? Yeah, it's, yeah, I guess that's true. Like it's, that's a rough show. That's a show that has a, a heavy impact yeah. on, on its viewers and, and deliberately so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is why we mentioned this way, uh, way earlier, but the idea that like, um, sometimes a movie can be easier uh, to handle some difficult content in than as opposed to a TV show because a movie is two hours, maybe three hours. Sure. And it's not something that you're going to be, you know, engaging in 10 weeks a year for eight years. Right. You know, in that span of time, I mean, I've seen, I haven't seen The Wolf of Wall Street since it came out. Right. So there is a difference between sort of having something in front of you constantly um, versus like, okay, I, you know, I've watched it and, but it's over. It has a start and an end. Um, that's, that's a little bit, it's actually better in some ways because that worldview is not able to so saturate you. Now people could hear that and think you're kind of making an argument against game of thrones. Um, sure. and I mean, I, you know, I've seen every, I've seen every episode except, uh, the episode that's airing while we're, we're recording. Oh boy! Um, let's watch it while we record. Oh, let's do. Let's, well, this what, becomes yeah. a commentary. Exactly. Yeah. And then I rewatched all six previous seasons with my wife since the sixth season ended mm -hmm. last year. Uh, you know, so I've seen it a lot, and I will say, you know, it had been six years since I'd seen that first season, and there's a lot of graphic nudity. And sometimes it is gratuitous. Yeah. And so I'm not here to say like, no, no, no. Every single shot is perfectly justified yeah. and they wanted to do it and it's all great. But I also don't think that perfection is the standard. Sure. Um, you know, that's not the standard that I hold my uh, art to. Yeah. Is that, oh, if it has one shot that's not okay... Then I'm I'm out. Yeah. Um, and I I would venture to say that I bet the producers feel that way too. Yeah, that's probably true, especially with a, a TV show. Like, not every episode, much yeah. like, like there's the show, there are seasons, and then there's episodes. Yeah. And then there's scenes. And then there are scenes. Like, yeah. 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 Um, 
And yeah, if they demanded every single thing, like, okay, we don't, we're, we're going Hemingway with this. We do yeah. not want one superfluous <laughs> second, uh, you know, especially a show as ornate as game yeah. of Thrones. That'd be ridiculous. But, um, but yeah. And so, uh, so one thing I wanted to mention, um, as we, as I'm, I'm fine to move into sort of this next section and find yeah. out like what it is that you get out of, out of the show as a Christian and just <clears throat> as a person. Um, I will say that, and maybe we can address this directly. Uh, so the, the, the nudity and my wife's discomfort with my watching it, that's one of the reasons that mm-hmm. I don't watch it. There is another reason that is all mine. Okay. That I could probably work myself through if it weren't for this other thing. You hate Peter Dinklage. I'm not a That's fan. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. I don't care for actors named Peter. <laughs> is and, and the last name Dinklage is humorous to me. <laughs> so I just laugh. It's why you hate he's, Fargo, that stupid storm air. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I just, you know what? I, I vid angeled all of his scenes out. <laughs> <laughs> they have a setting for Peter storm. Oh, you know what? That would be, if this actor you know is a what? little too graphic on the eyes, if vid angel had an option where they pick one actor <laughs> and whatever, he's not in every movie, no. but that option's always there. Yeah. I would be, kind of on board with that that company because i i would appreciate their their silliness and the commitment to the joke (laughs) that would and just to make people wonder like why did they choose has this actor like has he said he's the antichrist what's going on i believe he did play satan in constantine you're right he did um which i have actually haven't seen but um so one thing just so the stuff red wedding Uh ned stark the mountain and the viper yeah. Like there are things I know about from the show and even just absorbing them through cultural osmosis, I get depressed. <clears throat> there was a movie years ago called The King. You remember The King? I do. Yes. With and William I, Hurt. Yeah. A movie that is and very, very good. your reaction yeah. to it. It is yeah. very, very good. What a great example. That's such a perfect example for this. That is a movie that ends, I mean, just throughout, there's there's some rough stuff, but it ends so, I won't say nihilistically uh, or anything like that, but it ends on such a down note. Now, that's weird considering that a good portion of the movies I love end on a down note, but it seems almost existential, like there is no hope mm-hmm. in this world. And it kept me from, I don't, I don't fault the movie for that, I don't think it's a flaw, but... It's definitely a thing that impacts me. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I hear about Game of Thrones and just some of the major points, the, the big water cooler moments are almost invariably, we thought things were going well. Mm-hmm. And they are spectacularly not. My wife has started pointing out that like, uh, if I see a scene that is really happy between two characters, I'm immediately going to assume that one of them is dying. Yeah. Is about to die. Yeah. Like, she's like, she's like, fool me once, fool me 10 times, Game of Thrones. Yeah. And that, I mean, you mentioned a couple big moments, but there's a number of smaller moments that, that kind of, you know, and I really think it's like, it's actually, they're not trying to like, again, they're not trying to trick you and be like, oh, yeah. look what we, like, you thought you liked that character. I think it's like, you know what? This character's about to meet their end. Like, let's make sure we have one really good scene with them. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. We're not going to have that opportunity in a little yeah. bit. When you watch a bunch of seasons of Survivor and you notice that a character that hasn't really had much screen time starts to get a lot of it, it's like, oh, they're point. leaving this episode. Yeah. Uh, either They're either going to win and they haven't been giving producers much up until this point uh-huh. or they're gone at the end of yeah. the I'd say 90% of the time, that's yeah. the situation. You get savvy to it. Now, you mentioned the king. The reason I, I said that was such a perfect example is because years ago, when you watched this, we talked about it. Mm-hmm. And you, you told me your reaction specifically to the end. And I read it so differently. Yeah, uh, I still thought, obviously, it was a, a, a really big downer. But I felt like it posed such a wonderful question to the audience yeah. to consider. And so I, I felt very invigorated by it. I didn't feel it was nihilistic at all. Yeah. Um, and the other example I'm thinking of is, I mean, the, the show that, that gets closest to the feeling sometimes I have of watching Game of Thrones is oddly The Wire. Sure. And uh, is it Aiden Gillen? Aiden, yeah. He, I mean, he's the only link, so he must really know how to pick them. Sure. Um, so I'm I'm curious in your reaction to that show. Did that show depress you, The Wire? Uh, at times, yes. But there is something to be. Here's here's an example. McNulty makes it all the way through. Uh huh. As does a good portion of our. I'll put quotes around good guys. You know, yeah. a big part of The Wire is that no institution in the in the show is inherently good or bad or maybe the institutions are but the individuals within each one they seem to be striving for their own thing so they're you know in the the drug dealers there are some that you sympathize with and some you don't Mm -hmm. with the cops same deal and the nature of the the drug dealing business is that those characters probably aren't going to be around very long because Mm -hmm people tend to die young in that world. Right. Whereas the cops and if the show has a lead, which I'd say it doesn't, but for a while McNulty was its lead and he makes it all the way through. And in fact, the majority of the cops make it all the way through. Yeah. And so there are, there are things that you could count on. Yeah. Um, but you know what? At the end of season two, there are some dock workers yeah. that, don't make it all the way through precisely because they didn't realize what they were getting themselves into. And so there was some level of, of uh, consistency Mm -hmm. that I could cling to, even if it didn't always serve me well, even if it's like, well, this person's definitely going to make, Oh, no, I'm sorry. They did not. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, but with game of Thrones, I know it's not random. And I'm sure that like, once you get watching, you kind of, there's a rhythm to it. um, Even if the rhythm is, these people seem happy. Wait a minute. Yeah. Even if it's that, uh, there's just something about, uh, and again, I don't cite this as a, as a flaw and I'm sure that it's not actually true the way I'm saying it, but the way that it seems to set you up for hope and then rob you of it, um, Mm -hmm. is something that uh, again, I personally, I don't think I could handle it. Uh huh. See, I, you were mentioning like characters dying or not dying. Sure. And while that's a part of it, I guess the 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 line that I draw between the shows is that um, what you thought looked like justice, what you thought looked like victory, what you thought looked like heroism doesn't. Sure. Um, and it's not nearly as easy as you thought it was going to be. It's not going to be as easy as the police stopping the drug kingpin right. and winning the day and the city's you know, 
is going to thrive because of it. Yeah. It's not going to go that way. And the ways in which it doesn't go that way are going to hurt. Yeah. And they're both shows that, that hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and I think that's, that is something I respond to. I remember after season three of the wire, um, that to me, it, something happens that you kind of think like, that's what they wanted to happen. Right. But because of the way it happens, they're, they're robbed of any feeling of victory. Yeah. And I felt such despair yeah. after, after watching that season. And I came to, to really genuinely appreciate that feeling that because, and I, I, I actually think this is easier for Christians to do because I felt like, wow, I, loved these characters and I loved these people so much that I really feel their hurt and I yeah. really feel their loss that wow I really love them like and so I was able to turn despair into the only reason I'm despairing is because of a very positive emotion yeah and that positive emotion is still there um in the same way with with Game of Thrones like the first, I, I I mentioned this with uh, Kyle Anderson, uh, our our friend, uh, recently. That you, the first few episodes, I was like, "What is this show doing? Yeah. Why am I seeing these kids so often? Like, clearly, I want to watch Ned Stark. <laughs> Give yeah. me scenes with Ned Stark. I don't care about these kids and their little squabbling." Well, cut to seven years later, and who's left? Yeah. This show has always been about the kids. I just didn't know it. Yeah. Um, and so seeing all of these things happen that I thought were going to mean victory and were going to redeem something, redemption doesn't look that way, and vengeance doesn't look that way. Right. You know, someone gets killed, and you're like, oh, well, then I know that this guy's going to avenge it. Because that's what I want to happen. And as a Christian, it I feel like the show so highlights the frailty of human vengeance. Yeah. And that vengeance is not ours. And we are not owed vengeance. We are not we are not going to be able to achieve vengeance that satisfies. We think we will, even characters who think they have. They really don't. And to me, that is such a wonderful biblical truth that vengeance is not ours. And I'm not saying that that's what George R.R. Martin intended, that like, oh, this is clearly going to point people to the gospel (laughs) and that God is our vengeance and God is our victory. And it's not something we can achieve for ourselves. But as a Christian, I feel like they have set the table for that so beautifully. Yeah. and also sort of the the Old Testament idea of um, you are your house or you are your family name. Right, yeah. And in Christ, we have a new name and we have a new family and we're adopted into a different family. And this is a show that shows all of the pitfalls that come when all you care about is family legacy. Yeah. And the legacy of your name and what it even means you know, and I, I think those things are so, are so worth thinking about and exploring. Um, and also, I mean, the show has now, there's a lot of women who are in power in the show now, spoiler Mm -hmm. alert, sorry. 
Um, but the first seasons of this show, and this gets into the nudity, really illustrate how few options there are for women in right. this world, uh, how unfair this world is to women, um, and how um, how limited their options are, and just how ugly their life can look. And I think that it really makes you feel for a lot of those characters in ways that if it were more sanitized, we would probably go on persisting in our ignorance a little bit. You know, that's interesting that you mentioned that. And uh, having watched the first episode, there were, I believe, there are several scenes of nudity. And, you know, in watching, it's like, those probably weren't all super necessary, but there are a couple like, that is, there is only one way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of those characters, you'd be surprised how often you see them. Sure. Yeah. It's and it reminds me of the reader. Did you ever see the reader? I did not. Okay. So I'm like Hugh Jackman in yeah, his opening for uh, his. And, and most people, it would seem. That uh, was. A, do you remember that? That yeah, was in the song. I haven't seen the reader. Yeah, that's the reader. I haven't seen the reader. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like looking around the stage. For yeah. Him. That's delightful. That's what I think of when I think of that movie. So sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, A big, a big part of the film uh, is this relationship between Kate Winslet and this kid who's like 16, 17, Mm -hmm. um, maybe 18, but, um, and it's a sexual relationship. And there is a scene where the kid is taking a bath. uh, And I think at her apartment and she walks in Mm -hmm. And she says, stand up, I will, I will wash you. So he stands up. So she's fully clothed. Mm-hmm. He is naked, wet, mm-hmm. and just standing in this bathtub. And it, you know, and we see like their faces and we see like, you know, a, a medium shot. Then we cut to a wide shot and it's all, it's all there. Yeah. And it's, you know, a rare instance of male nudity, but, mm-hmm. but it's all there. And I had this thought of like, that is the, that is perfect. That is a perfect illustration of who has the power. Yeah. He has no power. He might as well be a child. Yeah. And she is fully clothed. She told him to stand up. He stood up regardless of being exposed, being maybe cold. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so in that, so along those lines, I, that was one of the thoughts that I had in the first episode where there's Mm -hmm. a, a a woman being washed and about to be presented as a bride to somebody. And first off, it is quite, elegant and beautiful but it also is so and it shows how like physically perfect and clean and innocent and vulnerable she is yeah and she's about to go into be essentially sold to a very barbaric person yeah so that maybe her brother can become king maybe yes and he has a very graphic line about what he's willing to let be done to her yeah um, in order for him to achieve his goal. Yeah. And it's not a spoiler. That's Daenerys Targaryen. Like mm-hmm. she's one of the three greatest characters on the show. Like, yeah, I, I mean, she, her journey is so like just excellently yeah. rendered and that's her beginning. And there is a reason for that. It, it illustrates. And now you see her and it's like, wow. And there's actually a scene, um, Maybe a couple seasons ago, I think season five, where somebody comes into a tent of hers and she's been she's taking a bath and she stands up. And I didn't think of it till now, but 
that is sort of a callback to that very first scene. Yeah. And boy, what a difference. Yeah. How, how different her life looks now. She, yeah. There she stands up as a queen, as someone with all of this power, as opposed to someone in the first episode who is just sort of being used as a pawn by somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it, you know, Josh and I have said this before in the past that, um, yeah, nudity can be very titillating, obviously, but when it comes to vulnerability, yeah, it's hard to beat. Yeah. Uh, Nashville, my favorite movie features a woman who is sort of being made to, she has the choice, but she's being made to strip in front uh-huh. of a bunch of guys. She, she saw herself as a singer, hmm. but she can't sing very well. Right. And so, so all these guys that are like political donors and stuff, uh, they start booing when she like that first off they're laughing at her because she can't sing well. And then she, she goes to leave and then they start booing because they all thought they were going to see a strip tease. Right. And she is, so she's talking to the guy who brought her in and she's like confused. And it's, this is a character that has been comical because mm-hmm. she cannot sing. Right. And by the way, that actor, that actress tried, that's uh-huh. the best she could do. Wow. She had singing lessons and that was the best she could do. And so there's an element of realism there. Um, and so the guy's like, okay, tell you what, tell you what, tell you what, if you go out there and do a strip tease, then, uh, you can sing over here. And so she goes out and uh. it's so, heartbreaking yeah and it's one of those things yeah someone somewhere could probably have watched that and found it very titillating i don't think i would want to meet that person (laughs) because because one of the things that one of the first things that she does is she's like taking off her clothes she pulls like kleenex out of her bra she clearly had been stuffing her bra and now it has become obvious yeah and it's so sad and frankly like i hate to say it if you if they had not shown it right it would not have been as effective right you know and that's in a scene that is for all intents and purposes sexual Mm -hmm. but it's a scene about vulnerability and you know it's it's funny we were talking we both felt the same way about the movie atonement yeah where we felt like boy they're they're really highlighting this whole romance between them and how long of a period of time it spans and in the sequence that we come to find out was invented yeah uh we both said, like, you know what? That needed a love scene. Yeah. That needed a sex scene because it's been a long time since we've seen them be intimate with each other. Like, we need that needs to be established that they have this deep, intimate bond. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, and it felt like the movie lacked something. It did, yes. And it's like, we weren't doing that because we were like, I really want to see <laughs> James McAvoy and Kira Knightley naked. There like, we go, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it was because, wow, the thing they're trying to convey actually could have been more strongly conveyed and better conveyed yeah. with a different artistic tool. Yeah, it's an artistic tool. And yes, here's the thing. My, my view is... If you have actors and actresses that are willing to do that, mm-hmm. then I think you as a director need to 
do it as judiciously as possible and make sure that you think it is necessary, that this yeah. is the best way to get this across. Um, but I do think it is necessary sometimes. Yeah. You, I was thinking about atonement earlier as well uh, along these lines and that like, yeah, it's it felt emotionally and artistically right to do this thing that they didn't do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not because of, of some lascivious desire to, to see it. Right. There's uh, an emotional desire to see it. Yeah. You know, I just thought of like maybe one of the most, do you remember that Wedding Crashers and 40 year old Virgin came out the same summer? Wedding Crashers was first. Um, Cause it was kind of like the direct, I think it was the director of old school. So it's kind of like, Oh, his okay. big new movie with Vince Vaughn and, and Owen Wilson. It's going to be this great as right. sort of early midsummer. And then 40 year old Virgin was toward the end of the summer. Both yeah. movies have a fair amount of nudity. Yeah. I've actually never um, seen wedding crashers. Really? Yeah. Well, let me spoil the beginning. Okay. Um, it does convey something, but I felt like it was, there's this sequence of the two of them. Basically they crash weddings, they hook up with girls and they don't ever see him again. Right. Um, and there is just a montage of naked women. Sure. And it's literally, sometimes you don't even see the woman's face. It's just her body being thrown onto a bed. And it's over and over. There's, there must be 30, 40 women yeah. in this montage. And I felt like, man, I, I can argue that you're trying to convey that they don't even see her face. Right. And yet, by doing it this much... This scene and at the beginning of the movie, because eventually you're going to get to these two fall in love with the right girl, right? Who's a paid act, uh, an actress who's paid a lot more and doesn't want to be naked. Yeah. So we're not going to show her naked. So here, let let me give you a whole bunch of nudity to satisfy you at the beginning. Yeah. I felt like it was so calculated. I felt like it was so. I, it just felt icky. Well, because having having not seen it, I apologize. Um, there's if that montage happened midway through where now there has been some context added and maybe it has been established that these guys aren't super emotionally mature. Yeah. Then it's like, Oh, okay. This montage is about how they don't see women as people, yeah. but as objects. But if it's the first thing you see, then it feels like, uh, there's a lot of high fiving going on. Uh, yeah, there, there's a whole lot of, uh, filmmaking high-fiving going yeah. on and it seems like we're establishing these guys as like party animals and there's jokes in between yeah. each of these things so it's like everyone's laughing and enjoying yeah. we're supposed to enjoy this montage of look at these two crazy guys yeah and it just felt uh wrong yeah. in a lot of ways and again that's probably you know that 45 seconds is less nudity than there is in a lot of Game of Thrones. It's probably yeah. less graphic in some ways. And yet, because of the intention and the context, uh, it feels wrong. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. So, uh, again, I get really the thing we're saying is you need to discern. Yeah. You, this, I mean, that's, hey, that's why you come to more than one lesson. That's right. Movie and now television talk for the discerning Christian. That's right. But discernment is so critical. And you can't just say, oh, well, this had nudity and that has nudity. Well, yeah. that's the same. It doesn't matter. Both are fine or both aren't fine. Yeah. There are undoubtedly movies and TV shows out there. Yeah. Okay, let's bring up New Girl to pick on that, I guess. Let's just pick up. Um, we hate New Girl. Spread the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? I think we've got a new tagline for more than one lesson. Yeah. We hate New Girl. Sure. Um, 
I own a new girl t-shirt. Oh, what, what is it? Um, Schmidt happens. Yeah, there you go. I hope I can say that on the podcast. I think that's fine. Yeah. Um, and so that show has no nudity. Right. And yet, you know, if we are taking some of its indirect messages to, to heart, like that had an impact on you. Yeah. And so meanwhile, you know, there are there are movies that and we've brought up uh, a few. There are movies and a TV show that has quite a bit of nudity. And I'm sorry to boil it down to just nudity, but that does tend to be the thing. That violence people, is if it was just violence, these articles don't get written. I don't to think be, so. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, and I assume that there's a fair amount of nudity in the rape scenes. Uh, uh, but maybe not. Maybe sometimes not. yes. Sometimes sometimes yeah. no. Actually, I don't. I'm I'm trying to recall all the rape scenes now. Yeah. Um, but no, not really. But I also don't want to make the argument. Like I kind of get the argument that nudity is a bigger trigger. Well, yeah, because that um, is the actual. Because everything about the violence is fake. Right. Like it is. It, it is the person's real body. It is the person's real body, yeah. except at the end of Boogie Nights. Right. You know, uh, and I guess there's a couple of scenes. It's somebody's real body. I Exa- guess. There's yes. usually not prosthetics. There's yes. a sequence where uh, another non-sexual nudity where uh, uh, a main character who's, who's a villain is marched through the city um, naked hmm. and people are throwing things at her. And this is a character most people kind of despise. Yeah. But for that, and it's like a three and a half, four minute scene. And she's end up covered in excrement. People are screaming things at her. And you, like, this is what the show can do. It can make you hurt for a villain and really feel pity for them and want to hug them. And is that, it would still be impactful, of course. I mentioned that because it happened to be, they had a body double. Oh, okay. And I did remember, when I learned that, that disappointed me. Because I thought, oh, if I'm that actress, there's no way I'm not playing that scene. Yeah, such a huge moment for that character. But at the same time... There's a million reasons why she could have made her decision. It's fine. Yeah. Either way, if that scene did... If if that character's fully closed, still getting pelted with things... Sure. It's not the same. It's not the same. Not at all. When you see... Again, it's vulnerability. When you see a frail body walking through streets of stone yeah. with people lining the street, throwing food at her, throwing excrement at her, spitting on her, literally spitting on her. Yeah. That's something else that literally had to happen for the scene to occur. Yeah. If I was that, if I was that extra who had to spit on this actress, that's not an easy thing to like go, oh yeah, I totally. Uh, oh yeah, then I just spit on her. Yeah. Totally. I'm right there with you. Oh, and then I, I uh, cross left, is that right? Yeah. After I uh, hurl a loogie at this other human being. Like Hang on, let me finish my bagel from craft services. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's you know, it's a it's a powerful, powerful sequence. I'm sure it is. And and there is there is something of an equalizer to nudity as well. Yeah. Um, in that like this character that that you mentioned sounds like she's just like this despicable person that you hate, but in that moment she's completely unadorned. Mm-hmm. She's just a person. Yeah. And there might be some and that's why and also I say this again, having not seen it, it's why the scene needs to go on. Because for the first minute, maybe there's some satisfaction. Right. And then it just keeps going on and keeps going on. It's mm-hmm. like, wow. 
And by the end, you are, I'm sure non-Christians are thinking like, man, bodies are frail. And I'm thinking that too, but I'm also thinking like, this person I despise is also the image of God. Hmm. Like, and no image of God should be treated this way. Yeah. And should have to endure that. Um, Yeah, I remember... uh in the special features of uh, the movie aliens, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a scene that was shot. Um, not unlike the first alien. Now that I think about it, uh, in the first alien, there's a scene that was shot, but was not used of Dallas, Tom Skerritt's character. He's all cocooned up and Ripley finds him and then lights him on fire. Uh, there is a scene at the end of aliens where Burke, which is Paul Reiser's yes. character, the guy who's basically responsible for everything yeah. bad that has happened. Yeah. He has been cocooned and he's there and she finds him and he says like, I can feel it inside me, oh. which is horrible. Yeah. And, but of course, you know, when you think about it, like, well, there are hundreds of people that felt it inside of them because of what he did. Yeah. And yet Ripley still like looks at him like with disdain that then melts to like, nobody really deserves this. And so she hands him a grenade Uh um, to blow himself up. And so, uh, and that was, that was cut out eventually, but there is, but like, even the deleted scenes are brilliant. I love that movie. You don't love it enough. It's okay. And I'll say this in, in being a part of the aliens minute podcast, it has given me a new appreciation for it, but I'd say the deleted scenes being brilliant, that extended Hadley's hope scene is so it absolutely needed to be cut out. Yeah. James Cameron was wrong for putting it in, in the director's cut. Uh-huh. So unnecessary. Maybe but, they were just like, we need some, if you want a director's cut, we need something big. And he's maybe like, it's that. Yeah. Well, I have this thing I don't think belongs. And they're like, well, it's in, but I, but I was listening I don't to think the, someone's pushing James Cameron around like that <laughs> yeah. for his director's cut. But of, I'm going to, that's of aliens. Yeah. Um, yeah, the abyss they might push him a little bit. But well, um, I had a I had a scene where everyone was just eating for eight uncut minutes and uh like someone tips over the salt and they're like, That's in. That's in now. I would kinda love that actually. I know, wouldn't that be great if that was the deleted scene? <laughs> uh see, I feel like we just lost all credibility where people are like, So these guys are super on board with nudity, but then they did just say they wanted a scene an eight minute scene of people eating and someone knocks over the salt. Why am I listening to this show again? Exactly. How did it manage to get those nine podcast award nominations yeah i'm gonna say it as much as i can well i um, can't hit the delete button fast enough it just see, <laughs> keeps refreshing somehow uh yeah is oh sorry a, is uh, this a virus? it is a virus yes i'm sorry um, all right well i gotta delete this virus now if only there oh, i'm gonna have to fill out this paperwork oh luckily mm, that's yeah it all works out yeah. yes uh little known fact for any viruses physical or otherwise you need to fill out a lot of paperwork <laughs> um so uh so yeah, um, I did very briefly to kind of maybe to, to wrap up, what are some of the things, and you've said some of them, but like, as you watch Game of Thrones, now obviously there's character, there's plot developments, there's the stuff that keeps you coming back and keeps you invested, mm-hmm. but thematically, and maybe even spiritually, like what are, as the seasons have gone on, um, what has, what has the show made you think about? What has it made you feel? Um, I mentioned a couple of them that right. were kind of the big ones that uh, justice doesn't look like we think it should. Yeah. Um, that essentially this is what we can hope for um, or this is all we can hope for in a world where we're so consumed with our own legacy. Right. It's it's going to devolve into selfishness and chaos and um, 
and just all manner of evil. Like, I think it shows those things really well and does a very good job of condemning them. Yeah. um, And saying, like, these are ways that people manipulate each other and try to either gain power or keep power over other people. Not because they think they're particularly well suited to it, but because they've got something and they want to keep it. Um, so I think it does a very good job at sort of dismantling all of these kind of big structures that we might look to instead of Christ. Yeah. Um, family and and power. Yeah. Um, and justice. Like these sort of like pillars that maybe we can cling to. Um, I do love the characters. And I think something that you and I have talked about off air um, of being something that really moves me and that I respond to and that I gravitate toward as a, as a filmmaker is, uh, the persistence of hope in a very dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that I, you know, when I watch the show, I don't ever feel, even when I feel despair, I don't feel hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And that's a very key difference. I don't feel like it's nihilistic. I don't feel like he's, uh, you know, to go back to the Red Wedding, the the writer, George R. R. Martin, said, like, that was the last thing he wrote for that book because he could not bring himself to write it. Yeah. Which tells you quite a bit about how much he loves his characters. He's not, you know, I, so I never feel like it's vindictive. Yeah. Or like it's like kind of laughing all the way to killing Like, I'm going to kill all your favorite characters. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's a show that says like, here, here are some people you think are going to be heroes, but there are qualities you might be overlooking in the people that are around them. And yeah. those might actually be the people you need to keep your eye on in, in good ways and bad. But those people actually might have a lot more to them than we normally see. Yeah. And so the show does a great job of, um, of developing that kind of character. And I think making you a little bit more considerate of that, of that type of character and other things, as opposed to just who's my hero, who's my villain. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the thing that appeals to me the most. Uh, if the day comes and I do decide, you know, and Jen and I talk about it and we decide that this is an okay thing for me to watch and I'm able to kind of, put aside any concerns I have about hopelessness or despair. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that really appeals to me is the refusal of Martin and the, the show creators, the refusal to um, adhere to a traditional narrative Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, we've got our hero. I mean, from the word go, it's like, okay, Ned Stark, we got our hero. Yeah. There we go. We've got our lead. We've got our McNulty. We've got whatever you want to say. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, seven episodes in where he's captured and put in a dungeon, not to worry. Yeah. Something's going to, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. That's why I'm still watching. Yeah. But something's going to happen yeah. and he's going to win the day. Yeah. He's going to get out of this. That's why he's the hero. Cause yeah. stuff like this doesn't stop him. Yeah. Uh, and I knew, I remember I was listening to a, a, a podcast. I think it was never not funny. And they were talking about watching game of Thrones and they said that somehow as the ax came up and even as it went down, there's just something in them as a viewer, something mm-hmm. that's like, surely, surely something, something is going to happen. We are going to find out next week 
that yeah. something happened. The axe was stopped. Yes. Yeah. A bird flew between. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But they didn't show us. It's a cliffhanger. Yeah. And and that is not the case. I mean, that was one where, I, I mean, watching it with my wife is so is so much fun. Yeah. Um. Because. I get emotionally involved and then I get emotionally involved in how involved she is. Yeah. Um, and she was just like, okay, no, he there's, well, there's no way he could be dead. There's no way. Yeah. Like we've just been trained as viewers Mm -hmm. to expect certain things. Yeah. And what I, and it's so, it's so cliche to say this, but it's like, yeah, life doesn't work out that way all the time. Like Mm -hmm. we, we, if anything, if we, if we're able to like comb a certain type of uh, a certain type of hope, yeah, maybe an artificial type of hope out of life, it's because mm-hmm. movies and TV shows have yeah. taught us how to do that. Yeah, um, and it's something you can only do in retrospect. But in the moment, hopeless, like you can feel very hopeless when Ned Stark dies. I'm sure there are tons of people. It's like, yeah, we don't know seven seasons from now what this means all i know right now is that all is lost yeah um and those all is lost moments you know those they're supposed to in the traditional structure those are supposed to come two-thirds of the way through yeah and then a greater victory is achieved yeah um you know so i i love that the show does that i mean i think after the red the red wedding is the thing that that impacted uh, my wife the most Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure i don't think she'll mind me saying this i think she cried quite a bit after that and just felt like kind of the the same thing like is this just like is nothing good gonna come and i knew things that i was like i can't tell you there like there is hope that persists in this show and they find such wonderful human little moments to to show you the ways that hope persists yeah um i think another way just uh, just from a craft perspective some of the i mean the greatest spectacle on television i don't think there's been anything better but they find ways into you know one of the big goals for anything or any let me rephrase that uh when I really respond to something, when I love something, it's because they really delve into their characters. Yeah. And this show really is able to find its character's pain and, and understand it and, and look at it and sort of uh, expose that. Um, and I don't think a lot of shows really do that. Yeah. To, to really get into the character's flaws and i know we're in the you know the season of the anti-hero and things like that but it's like as much as i love breaking bad i don't think it got to the levels that this show gets to in terms of the really core hurts of so many different characters well and i'm reminded of what you said about um what martin talked uh, what what he mentioned uh as he was writing about as he was writing the red wedding is that he did it last because he just couldn't bring himself to do it. And I feel like any number of people would say, well then just don't. Yeah. But what is it, you know, to me, like, what does it say that an author's like, I have to, mm-hmm. this is what happens. Mm-hmm. I take no joy in it. I'd prefer it didn't. 
Yeah. But the characters I have created, if I'm being true to them, Mm -hmm. this is what they would do. Yeah. And I admire that level of honesty um, and that willingness to go where your characters dictate. Yeah. Um, And so, and the, the other thing that I'll say is that one one thing that uh, a defense of Game of Thrones amongst Christians that I have uh, grown tired of, not because I necessarily disagree with it, but because I've just seen it so often, mm-hmm. is that people say like, well, if the if the Bible were depicted oh, as sure. a series, yeah. then it would be absolutely as graphic as Game of Thrones. It's like, okay, that's fine, except it isn't. Mm-hmm. Except it hasn't been. Right. So until someone does, which I would kind of think is amazing. Yeah. Imagine if someone really depicted David and Bathsheba. That's the one. Oh, Just, you mean David, the guy after God's own heart? Yeah. 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 That's what I was going to mention is that the same people, the the Christian. Uh, no Christian would be, would feel comfortable seeing that movie. Right. Is what it seems like. Or TV show. Oh, if it were a yeah. whole TV show, are you kidding me? Just the entire old Testament. Yeah. I mean, it would be amazing on so many levels, but it would be amazing precisely because it is so, if you'll pardon me, decadent mm-hmm. because no punches are being pulled Yeah, and that it refuses to adhere to a narrative of what, you know, the same thing that causes me and and other people to be so to put so much faith in the Bible mm-hmm. is that like yeah if this were if this were made up these people would be a lot more pristine yeah. these heroes would actually be heroes Jesus would not say why have you forsaken me uh-huh. like David the man after God's own heart would not be like this uh, sleep Noah with someone and then trick her husband not trick him but like just finagle, basically uses political power yeah. to get her husband on the front line so yeah. he's sure to die. And who gave him that political power? God. God did. Yeah. And this is what he did with it. Yeah. Noah, after being, after, uh, after being his, his entire family being yeah. saved from the flood, gets drunk and has sex with his daughter, I believe, correct? Something like that, yeah. Uh, or they, I think they seduce him. Like, it is just these bro- people that are broken in a particularly yeah. sordid way yeah and and the idea is like yeah we all have an idea of how we wish things were Mm -hmm. but we don't get that we wish that the red wedding turned out fine yeah we wish that the viper killed the mountain we wish Mm -hmm. that uh that was the one that that crushed me i've seen the scene it and yeah, it's pretty I've rough. told you this because not only was someone's vengeance at stake, but somebody else's innocence was at stake that we knew was innocent. Yeah. So it was kind of like this nesting doll of justice. Yeah. And you, they did such a brilliant job. I mean, that character, before he goes into the fight, he just looks off and he goes, this is not the day that I die. Yeah. And you believe him. Yeah. Oh, that, I mean, that one, that one broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like shows. I like being so invested in a show that it breaks my heart. I that is what I want. I want it to that is a show that has an effect on me. And that is the type of show I seek. If that happens and I don't care, I'm never watching that show again. Yeah. Cuz what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so the show Oz which I liked. I saw all of it. And I think I only saw the first two seasons. It's, 
it's it's pulpy. It is mm-hmm. very much like a soap opera. And here's what I'll say: Tom Fontana, the creator of it, uh, this came to be. This is common knowledge, and it's very flippant that if if an actor like was late to the set too often, or if he complained too often, his character would get would get <laughs> would get raped or killed sometimes. Wow. Like that's how. F- now the tone of that show did not really it was basically a soap opera in prison right and there was a lot of male nudity and unsurprisingly yeah. a lot of rape given the the environment but um but that was a lot of stuff was done very flippantly right whereas something like the wire or deadwood being a big one for me um or something like hannibal where like there's just these intense whether it be nudity or, or violence these intense things and and intense tones uh, mm-hmm. emotional tones um they're not done haphazardly and no. it sounds like with game of thrones they absolutely are not as well and so if you know to to sort of wrap this up you know listeners if you are bothered by nudity just inherently i'm not going to blame you for not watching game of thrones but if but when you start to you know, this show has been going for a while. This is yeah. not going to be anything new. But like when you start to extrapolate these larger things and just say, no Christian should watch this for mm-hmm. these reasons. OK, well, now you are excluding so many talking points and so many it may, talking points sounds dismissive discussion points mm-hmm. and so many things that that a person could bring to the way they approach art. You know, you watch this and you come away with an odd sense of hope and in the midst of despair yeah, and just finding an odd comfort or at least a recognizable recognizability in the human frailty of the show. Mm -hmm. And had it, if it weren't made the way that it is, it wouldn't be as impactful. No, it wouldn't because the world that they would be depicting, it would be fairly toothless. I would say. Yeah. And given the stuff that that show is examining, it can, the last thing it can be is toothless. It needs to be all in. Yeah. And being all in in the world of Game of Thrones is kind of, uh, it's going to be rough. Yeah. You know, it's going to be rough. And it's worth saying, you know, to, to all of us, like, are, are we thinking about what we're watching or about what we're consuming? You yeah. know, are, are we putting any thought into it or are we just going, well, I like it. So I'm going to, I'm going to watch it or yeah. like, whatever. It's my, it's my show. I want to watch my, I want to watch the show I want to watch. Yeah. It, it's, it's worth thinking about it. Even if you feel like you're being made to think about it because somebody doesn't get it. And sure. now they're trying to put this thing on you. Take it as an opportunity to say, yeah, what do I get out of this show? Yeah. Do I really get something out of this show or Am I just kind of watching it because someone told me to, or I thought I was supposed to? And I'm sure there probably are people that watch it because they feel like they are supposed to. But I, but with the good shows, even if you start watching it for that reason, yeah, it's not going to stay that way. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, and that's so, entertainment, or it's just entertainment is not an acceptable answer. Yeah. Even when something- I can't imagine somebody listening to this show and being like, "Well, I'm just I listen to because I talks about my entertainment." Yeah, I but, I don't think so, but you never know. And and the other thing is like, there are things out there that are only entertainment. I say only. I don't mean to be reductive. There's nothing wrong with entertainment. That is what they aspire to be, and that's fine. And even then, 
I don't think we should think lightly about it because I guarantee the no. people that made it didn't. Yeah. You know, like, as they say, comedy is incredibly hard to do. And comedy is often associated with entertainment and look at the people behind it. Like they toil over that. Yeah. So why would we watch it so passively? Yeah. You know, I, I like, I've heard the line a number of times. It takes a lot of smart people to make a really dumb comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there was a podcast. I don't think it's still running, but there was a podcast that was doing what we do here. And I think they'd been around a l uh, longer. Um, but uh, the name of the show was, are you just watching? And I remember, th and it was basically this idea that like, yeah, there are some things, sometimes we just throw something on, but you're always taking things in mm -hmm. and wouldn't it be nice to at least have some understanding of what you're taking in the, Im the impact it's having on you and what you can do with it then, yeah. you know? And so, so yeah, I would encourage anybody listening who has not seen game of Thrones and maybe wants to, or they do watch it or whatever it is like, consider why like i'm coming away from this conversation thinking like it's different i guess it's different for me because my wife is involved and yeah. you know and perhaps and that's this conversation also, that's not a bad thing yeah you know it's as much as i as much as i love art and that sort of thing i love my wife more and uh but at the same time like if if she had said, if she said, you know what, actually, it's fine. If you want to watch it, go ahead. I think I would still have a duty to myself to still say, okay, well, now that she's fine with it, now it's all on me. Mm -hmm. What do I do? Yeah. You know, I think so either the decision to watch something or not to watch something is something is, is a decision that should not be taken lightly at all. Mm -hmm. um, it should be, you should go into it having maybe done a little bit of research going to obviously go into it prayerfully and then whatever you decide I think is, is, is perfectly fine, but maybe also recognize that somebody else could have gone into their decision with as much, mm -hmm. uh, with as much thought and prayer and come away from it with a different, uh, outcome and that that's okay. Yeah. And that convictions can change. Yeah. That's you, the other thing. You might've gone into it thinking like, or being like, man, I used to watch this stuff when I was 25 all the time. And I didn't think twice. Yeah. Well, now I'm in a different place. I know different things. And yeah. now it now it's impacting me. So maybe I've changed. And maybe there's something I know now that I didn't know then. Yeah. I know plenty of people that like, for example, when they have children, uh -huh. there are things that they watched before. And it's not that they will stop watching it. Like, you know, uh, I feel very, I always feel bad when Alex Kintner is killed by the shark and jaws, mm -hmm. but I don't have a kid. Yeah. If I had a kid and then it, it breaks my heart now, like after the, after the kid is killed and all, everybody has run out and then there's the kid's mom and she's looking around like she has every expect expectation of her son being there. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be like statistically? He should be there, but the shark did kill someone. Right. And it happened to be her kid. And there's just this, the sadness of that moment of the panic setting in as she's trying to find him. That's something that I can only understand from the outside. I don't yeah. have a kid right now. And if I, and once I watch that, once I watch the movie again, when I am a father, I feel like that scene will be so much more impactful. Yeah. You know what? The f right before the shark 
kills Alex Kintner, a dog goes missing. That a guy is playing fetch with his dog in the ocean, and there comes a moment when uh, he's he's calling out for his dog, and you see the stick that that he was throwing just floating in the water, mm-hmm. and then it cuts underwater as the shark is going along. So it's it's assumed right. that the shark has eaten the dog, right? Which is something that didn't really. It's not that it didn't bother me. It, I found it sad. But I have pets now. Now I'm probably not going to play fetch with my cats at the beach. <laughs> but the idea not of an anymore. animal of an animal being killed uh, is, impacts me now that I yeah. have pets. Now, how much more so when I when I have a kid someday? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, convictions can change, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's not a sellout because they start to be more conscientious of things. No. So. Um, so yeah, but that's the thing. Everything that we're talking about is about nuance and discernment and all of that. And uh, none of that is an unbiblical idea. Nope. So, all right, we will go ahead and leave it there now that we've been recording for as long as we uh, have, which has been a while. Um, I'm sure it has. Which is, I, I we're a couple of windbags, so I yeah. guess it, it happened. There was 20 minutes of bluster at the that's beginning. That's true. There was a bunch of nothing there at the beginning. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, this is an important conversation. So if you have anything to add, feel free to go to morethanonelesson.com and leave a comment. You can always email me, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at More Lessons. You can also like us on Facebook. Now, where can people find you online? Well, I'm on Twitter, and I'm on this Instagram. Okay. I think on Twitter, I'm just Eakin, E-A-K-E-N. All caps? Uh, it doesn't have to be, but I prefer it. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. It's important. I live my life in all caps. <laughs> that is true. I could see that 100%. But anyway, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Jason, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's It's been too long. And we'll get you next time. Bye.